Welcome to Generation Ag, a podcast for the future of agriculture. I'm Kayla. And I'm Lavinia. And we're a couple of young Aggies passionate about celebrating our industry and sharing the stories of people who work in it. Hello and welcome back everybody to another episode of Generation Ag. You've already guessed it, I'm sure, but you've got Kayla today. I have an exciting one for you today. It's a little bit different for us. Before I go ahead and introduce today's guests, I did want to cover off a couple of things. First of all, a massive thank you to everybody for all of the love on our Farmers Cross Borders content, both on Instagram and over on YouTube. If you haven't checked that out, I would totally encourage you to do so. We had a ball on the hay run. There's no way to explain how incredible the experience was. So hopefully we captured a little bit of it in the content over on our social media platforms. Uh, And the other exciting thing that happened whilst we were on that hay run was that we clicked over our 3000th download, which just, it blows mine and Lavinia's minds. We really can't (laughs) wrap our head around how many of you are tuning in every week and sharing with your friends. It means the world to us. So thank you. Thank you so much. I did want to remind everyone, since there's probably a few new listeners on here now, that we are completely open to guest suggestions. So if you have uh, a story that you want to hear from us, then by all means, send it through. You can send it to us at hello at generationag.com.au or via any of our social media platforms. We're always taking recommendations. We love them. So without further ado, let me get stuck into introducing today's guest. I had the pleasure of speaking to Jen from Lucinda's Everlastings. In today's episode, Jen tells the story of how her and her husband, Rob, came to start their flower and seed business on their farm just near Cojanup in Western Australia. Over the last 18 years, the business has gone from strength to strength, but it's also not been without its challenges and I'll let Jen tell you about those later on in the episode. So you guys don't need to listen to me any longer. Here's Jen. So I'd love to welcome um, Jen from Lucinda's Everlastings to our podcast. Thanks, Jen, for coming. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Let's start at the beginning. Outside of work, who is Jen and what's your connection to agriculture? I grew up on a smallish family farm in Broome here with my mum and dad and my brother and sister. To tell you the honest truth, I didn't have a lot to do with the farm because I was so obsessed at that age with my horses and animals. I had pet sheep and a, a dog and horses oh, and I was just obsessed. So after school I'd just go straight down to the stables and yeah. play with my horses. And I really didn't have much to do with the farm at that point because I wasn't interested in helping the sheep yards or going with dad on the header or the cedar. Yeah. Um, my brother was more interested in the farm etc. My sister was more interested in um, helping mum with sewing and cooking and things and I, so I suppose I do did get out of the farm but not to any degree on the actual farm doing physical work as such. My dad was a very hard worker and a lot of the time he was out. Um, because it was a small sort of farm at that point, he spent a lot of his time working hard and you know outside contracting. He used to um, run wool to Perth um, at midnight wow. <laughs> with the business and he used to um, um, do all sorts of um, 
sort of activities outside the farm mm-hmm. to raise money to then expand. Yeah. So having a small farm, which is that that actual farm is actually mainly salt now, mm-hmm. but um, he's really expanded and um, made a huge success of that farm. And I suppose that work ethic has flowed through to myself. Mm-hmm. I can't sit still and I always have to do something. I can't be seen as being lazy, even <laughs> though sometimes I like watching telly or listening to <laughs> yeah. podcasts or something. Yeah. I, I always have to be busy. And if I'm not busy, I feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, when Dad used to come home from working hard in the sheep yards or whatever, I could never be seen sitting on the couch being lazy. I'd just have to get up and... <laughs> Yeah. Busy myself and do something. <laughs> I just have gained his worth ethic from from him. Um, he still works hard at seventy six to this day. Wow. Working. He's you know over harvest. He drives the trucks. He take carts lime. He takes lupins to Perth. He's mm-hmm. he's flat out even to this day working on the family farm. Um, but he also taught me the importance of making intelligent decisions on a farm Mm -hmm. and um, that's how they've got to where they are Um, and my brother is also extraordinary in his farming practices and has taken on the farm so and I can't discount my mother she was amazing she looked after us kids and you know sort of dealt and kept the family happening and whatever so she's worth just as much money as dad (laughs) (laughs) though dad built the farming you know enterprise yeah um, mum was keeping it all together yeah She's yes, glue. She's amazing. So as a growing up on the family farm, I really only stayed on the family farm till I was 12 or 13. And then I go away to boarding school. Yep. So it's that period of my life I really cherish and remember. Um, however, like all people in the... Well, a lot of people in the country, you go away to boarding school mm-hmm. and then you go away to uni and then your life starts... Yeah. With it, outside uni do you, your career so. do you remember what you wanted to do like through school did, did you have a pretty firm idea were you one of those kids or were you just kind of seeing what happened to tell you the honest truth I had no idea yeah what I wanted to do I suppose a friend of mine did ag science so I thought oh gosh I don't know what I wanted to do yeah. <laughs> so I'll just follow into that and I thought I grew up in the country so I'm kind of in the country. I might as well do something I know a little bit about. Yeah. Um, and I just didn't have any interest in anything else. So I sort of fell into ag science because um, I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. And I, I did like the country. But, um, yeah, yeah, I just sort of fell into that. So Yeah. yeah. And so what happened? So you studied ag science and then what happened next? So I, I finished my ag science degree and um, then a bunch of friends decided to go overseas. Mm-hmm. So I did the overseas travel sort of experience mm-hmm. and I suppose um, working in a bar in London and I took the UL around Europe and did those exciting things and yeah. um, climbed Mount Kenya. So That's I was cool. really pleased with that I did that. Um, didn't quite make it to the summit but almost. Um, And then um, what happened next is I get a phone call from my mum on my way home saying, can you organise a telephone and I've arranged for a job interview for you. (laughs) So I actually arranged in Cape Town to have a job interview for the job I actually got in returning home to Katani as the research scientist with soils. And um, so I, I... 
got that job and then came directly from Cape Town to Katanning to yeah. start my new role as a soil scientist at the Katanning Ag Department. So, yeah, so anyway, I really liked that position because it sort of taught me a bit about everything. Even though it was focused on soils and problematic soils, I, I really, it taught me about farming systems and the best way the best practice to do mm -hmm. um, things on a farming enterprise so and I, I also met a lot of people and it taught me networking which is a really important thing in agriculture mm -hmm. to network and gain friendships and yeah so so yeah I got my experience really from um, that position to then have the confidence to go and well actually what happened is I met my husband at that position husband-to-be, yeah. and then decided he's too far from me because I'm the other side of Katanning and he's the other side of Kojinup, so yeah. an hour and a half drive was too long, so I looked to get a job in Kojinup, so, yeah. and at the end of my five-year contract, which was the case back then, you only had contracts and you always look for the job at the end, mm -hmm. and you never really finish your previous position because you're too busy looking yeah. to get something else. So <laughs> I moved on to Cochinup, which um, into Landcare, which I had not too much interest in because I, I really like the black and white research and getting answers. Yeah. Not I just thought of Landcare as airy fairy sort of work mm -hmm. but you know once I got in there it was so such a vital part of my life because I really started enjoying land care and doing good for the environment and mm -hmm. yeah I loved the um I got a lot of funds for closing up people when we fenced off fenced off creek lines and remnant bush and I could just see the value in doing that yeah. and um yes so anyway in my land care position I really had a major focus on bringing Profitable, profitable land care into Kojinup. So I, I did do a lot of conferences and field days, etc., etc., on focusing on making money from land care. So I really pushed saw logs, mm. um, lucerne, and really ultra bringing in my old job into the land care job by increasing production I thought that we could use more water which is good for the environment because you're ha increasing the water use so my main focus in land care was really profitable agriculture and I used to work in with local um, agriculture supply companies yep. to then run a field day attracted the farmers in with their chemical options and cost savings with that yeah but I would always help organize it and slot in some land care in there and organise a land care speaker. So I really had a focus on profitable land care more so than fencing off. And that, that was a side part where I used to yep. raise money to, to do those things. But my ultimate goal was to increase water use in land care and sort of get farmers more involved in land care through that sort of side of land care. Yeah. So That's awesome. Yeah. So what happened from that um, sort of land care role then? Well, in the land care position, I kind of was heavily involved with um, um, looking towards grants to fence off creek lines and um, remnant bush, like I said. Mm. Um, and one project I was successful in gaining money for was something where we required um, seed for direct seeding into um, planting more native trees. Mm -hmm. And in that position, I met 
Keith Smith, who was from Albany, he was kind of like a picker. He did a bit of picking up north and he gave me a bag of raw everlasting seed, just the whole plant really, and mm-hmm. said, see if you can grow this. Yeah. So I suppose that's where the journey began because um, that's where I tried it out and thought, oh, you can grow this. It does come up. So yeah. So yeah, it sort of all began from that project in Landcare. Yeah. So when I got that seed. Yeah, cool. And so talk to us now about um, how Lucinda's Everlastings sort of started. So you got that bag of seeds, and then how did that turn into the business that you have today? Well, yes, I did get that bag of seeds, and we thought, what on earth are we going to do with this? <laughs> we're farmers. We can grow stuff. Mm-hmm. So I thought, I've got seed. We can grow seed. So I suppose from there we just um, planted a small area on the ground, and the following year it grew, and hand harvested it, um, and then I got, shook the seed out. Yeah. And from that point on, I sort of bulked up seed. So it took me a couple of years to bulk up the seed enough to then sow mechanically because I don't like, I'm lazy. I don't like doing anything <laughs> that is going to cause me um, physical work. <laughs> yeah. So I had to get enough seed to then put through the seeder. So yeah. I don't have to stand... Because the first year we did it, we actually walked around broadcasting the seed. Yeah. And I, I just didn't like doing that. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I got enough seed to then hand plant it. So, yeah. so not hand plant it. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so for someone who has... We're talking about everlastings. Maybe they have no idea what everlasting is. Do you want to start there by you know, telling people who are unfamiliar what an everlasting is? An everlasting... <laughs> Everlasting flower is a self-seeding annual, which is really easy to grow. You just throw it on top of the ground and it comes up. So as long as there's a little bit of water there. Yeah. So um, with our business, really the agronomy I've left to Rob. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I do everything else. I do all the marketing and the selling to shops and yeah. stuff like that. It's a business that has everything in it. So we. We work from growing it to harvesting it to cleaning it. Mm-hmm. And then the selling and the marketing is something that we're not used to as farmers doing that for our own self in, mm-hmm. in terms of a little niche business. So I really had to start and learn from scratch how to do that and get the confidence. I suppose I got the confidence from organising so many things in my past jobs with farmers and things. But I'm never used to dealing with retail outlets yep. so I had to sort of change my mindset a little bit to um, sort of know how to do that so I went on a few courses and just sort of but it sold itself because people were so keen on a new industry and new sort of idea mm. that I didn't have too much trouble selling it mm-hmm. and then when shops realised they sell quite well it was quite an easy inroad to then sell to other shops so, yeah yeah I didn't really have too much trouble with that mm. so you um as a business you sell the seeds correct not the flowers two things um I sell the flowers and I sell the seed okay the flowers are beautiful so lovely yeah however the flower side of the business to me is um um, physical work and like I said before I'm a little bit lazy to get out there and field and physically pick it and I have to manage 
people to pick it and it's yeah. just hard work and I'm a real perfectionist so I don't like any flowers that are not perfect and f and my main market for the flower business is florists mm. and florists expect perfect mm. a perfect bunch yeah. and unless I, uh, sometimes I have three or four people picking for me and unless I have a perfect bunch I'm not happy about that yeah. so I'm really picky and um, demand the best so basically what I do do is pick them and then I I dry them and then I send them off so it's not a real long process of a business mm -hmm. it's very quick but and I've got to the point now where I can do it efficiently and well but like I said before I don't like the physicality of mm -hmm. it and I prefer the seed business I yeah. love the seed business yeah because you can leave the seed um, for, you know, it's not delicate, it's easy, it's not, you know, I can just post that off and no one's going to be concerned about the product at the end because yep. it's always perfect. Whereas flowers, posting them, I just get a bit nervous with yep. flowers. But I love them and they're a perfect match together. Mm. However, um, it's too physical to me, but I still keep the business going yep. just in case. Um, I can create a really good market there, which yeah. I'm doing at the moment. Yeah. So um, you've been talking a little bit about um, the physical labour side of things. So I wonder if you would, for the listeners, maybe elaborate why you struggle with the physical side of the business. Um, well, in 2000, I developed MS. Mm -hmm. And um, from that point on, I was, I was trying to ignore it. And I suppose I did everything I could to not show people that I had a problem uh -huh. with this disease. Um, so I, I had, as soon as I found out I did a dip ed, mm -hmm. I, I um, started Lucinda's Everlastings and I had Lucinda, my daughter. So, <laughs> so that's why it's called Lucinda's Everlasting. Yeah, that's why it's called Lucinda's yeah. Everlasting. Because I suppose Lucinda's 17 years, nearly 18 now, so that's how long I know I've had the business. <laughs> It's very easy for me to say yeah. it's a nearly 18-year-old business. <laughs> so, yeah, and I suppose um, I suppose it took me 10 years of denying that I had MS mm. and trying to cover up and trying to just not allow people to even think I had a problem. Mm. And now I realise people only want to help and they're only... I don't want sympathy. I don't like talking about it, mm. and I don't make an issue of it. So, and uh, really, all that's wrong with me is I can't physically, I can't run anymore. Yeah. Um, but I have it in my mind. I became a grade tennis champion, um, and I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah, so I kept, I could run. I was good at sport, <laughs> but now I've just got that memory to say yeah, I, can, <laughs> I could do it. Yeah. But yeah, I just have to alter things to allow me to continue with life and not be hindered yeah. so I just manage my business a bit differently I get people to come in pick the flowers and I don't really do much of that um, and I, I try and redu reduce stress in my life mm. I don't do things like for example I'm not exporting everlastings or importing them or anything like that because I don't want the extra stress I'm happy with what I'm doing and I can cope with what I'm doing as it is so I'm just happy with that so I just don't do anything that possibly could make me stressed mm -hmm. so so in terms of the business what's what are the most difficult parts of the whole everlasting process well, we're lucky in, in that we're farmers and we can grow things. So we can seed the crop, 
we can um, harvest the crop and clean the crop. However, harvesting and cleaning the everlastings are probably the most difficult part and which is probably why not many other people do this business because mm -hmm. it really takes a knack and it took has taken us a long time to work out exactly how to do the harvesting and cleaning. My dad has built me a cleaning machine within the last five years and it has revolutionised the business. <laughs> Honestly, it's very hard. Once you put the seed in the cleaners, that we have three, four different processes of cleaning. Yeah. And I suppose I have to sacrifice about a third of my seed is sacrificed to clean it out mm. and just make sure the end product is perfect. And with no, well, we do, try not to get any weeds in the crop. So, so there's not a problem with weeds. It's getting the sticks out of it. So when I sell seed, it has to be perfect. There's, mm. There can be no trash in it, no anything. Yeah. So it's taken a long time to sort of work out how to get a perfect product. So, so now I'm happy with the seed. And I know in the next couple of months, there's a lot of work for me to do because we actually had a really good season last year with Everlasting. <laughs> and there's lots of shoveling for me. Yeah. Um, so, but I do manage it. But I might have to get a hand this year. There's just so much... Yeah. seed and things for me to do so so what sort of scale are we talking how many sort of hectares of everlastings would you have planted it well if if you think about it the everlasting business is tiny in the scheme of things yeah. we sow about five or six hectares every year of everlastings and our farm is several thousand hectares yeah. so it's a tiny area it's beautiful i love waking up and having and looking at the buds starting to open and just it's amazing the, the looking over the horizon it's just beautiful bright pink it's just incredible <laughs> but um everlasting business is sort of you can't i don't believe you could run it by itself mm -hmm. because the equipment we use is just the same equipment as, as we use on the farm so um for someone to come in and do an everlasting business you, there's just so much knowledge you have to have for starters mm -hmm. and 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 yeah it's just one of those things that it, our cost can be kept quite low due to us having all the equipment already yep. it's just it does annoy rob at harvest time when he's trying to get the barley and move farms and to have this year it was two days out of his time which is yeah was really annoying this year but you know it's my business if he wants to keep me busy on the farm <laughs> away from him in the sheet yards and he's got to commit <laughs> to helping me do that yeah i don't and another thing i didn't mention with the ms i don't really like doing any physical things on the farm either yeah. because i can't stand up all day and do sheet work which is why it's really important for me to have my own business mm -hmm. to keep me occupied and um, out of his hair on the farm probably. Yeah. I could do some teaching in town, but I really enjoy the everlasting business. It's good fun. I can spend as much time as I want on it want on it. Yeah. Or as little time as I want on it. It doesn't take too much time. Mm. So is there a, is it labour intensive in terms of once you plant the crop in the ground, you know, is there much more that goes into it than that? And the, um, the crop is organic, basically. Okay. Every bit of preparation comes beforehand. We think about it for years beforehand mm -hmm. in terms of that paddock. And I like choosing the best piece of land in the, in the um, paddock. <laughs> um, and it's got to be weed-free. So we yeah. go and investigate and make sure it's weed-free. The problem with Everlastings is they're the same family as Asteraceae, which is cateweed. Uh -huh. so, and cateweed is the same seed as everlastings looking wise so it's very hard to clean it out so you cannot have 
Kate weed growing in the paddock that you have. And that's very hard to control. So we've just got to do fallow, set aside country in preparation for the everlastings because I cannot have, I cannot sell weeds in my packets. Mm. I just hate the thought of doing that. Yeah. So I cannot sell weeds in my packets. So it has to be years of thought and preparation for everlastings. So, um, but yeah, we've got it right now. So yeah. I'm pleased about that. But it's taken about probably about 10 years to get it right or at least thinking in the right mindset yeah. and taking Rob's mind off the wheat and canola <laughs> into my everlastings. <laughs> oh, I love of that. course, you're also subject to weather, but everlastings are quite um, tolerant to droughted sort of conditions. Mm. But we did have a bit of trouble some years. We planted too late and didn't get any follow-up rains mm -hmm. and, and the crop didn't grow high enough to get... Um, any sort of harvesting equipment to harvest it so we just had to leave the whole crop yeah so do you um, harvest with I mean this will be a silly question I'm sure like a regular combine harvester yeah yeah everything that we do with the everlastings is just farm equipment like I said I can't do anything physical I'm yeah. not going to go out there and snip them off and <laughs> shake yeah. them into the so I just do everything with farm equipment wow and everything is done like Rob would do other crops so yeah it's just a bit more time consuming yeah so however my everlastings are worth it to like I said keeping me out of Rob's yeah. hair on the farm and having my own thing to concentrate on and yeah. keep busy with and the everlastings make Hundred times more money than Rob does <laughs> per hectare. Per hectare, not on a whole, just per hectare. Yeah. <laughs> it's very intensive. So I have, a, but the unfortunate thing about the money is it just goes into farm revenue to yeah. go buy, help pay for that nutrient. <laughs> pay for a sheep. Yeah, I don't really get to see that money. So as such, into my personal bank because it's just snapped up yeah. when you have bills for the, yeah. on the farm. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, I guess, um, you know, I'm always very interested to hear about how people are diversifying their farm income. And I just, I think this is so just interesting. Like, yeah, flowers on farm. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. these are a WA native, correct? Yeah. 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 They're sort of growing. I find that in WA the market is... Uh, easy for me mm. because everyone knows what they are mm. everyone f flies to wa just to look at everlastings up north and how beautiful they are but they're so it's so transferable to everywhere in the whole country actually so yeah they're one of those things that i i don't have much trouble selling in wa but over east they're not so familiar with everlastings yeah. so i i do have quite a few businesses over east that sell them and sell them really well mm. However, that's something I could develop in the future in terms yeah. of getting into other external markets mm -hmm. as opposed to, to WA, which yeah. is an easy sell. <laughs> so you've brought a little like 10 gram bag in um, to sort of show me today. If I was to sort of plant these, like how many sort of what coverage of flowers do you get out of this 10 gram bag that you've brought in? Generally speaking, you go one gram per one metre squared. Okay. So if you have a little 10 metre squared garden, this... 10 gram packet is perfect for you yeah right. so just make sure you control the weeds first mm -hmm. um and then just throw them on the ground you can sort of align the rainfall to push them in the ground they don't require um, raking over or anything like that you can rake over if you're worried about them blowing away but they generally have 
uh, fluffy seed which has tendrils to sort of hold it into the soil anyway. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, it's really easy to grow. And this is our main seller, yep. the 10 gram packet, because it's reasonably priced. Yep. You can get a whole garden bed in just a 10 meter squared in this yeah. tiny little packet yeah so so yeah i think it, the value for money there that's amazing amazing and so. what are the other sort of products that you sell obviously at the seeds in bigger bags yeah i sell them in three different size bags i sell them in um 20 gram packets and then 50 gram packets mm -hmm. as well um and then i have started this business in Funeral cars, well, it's a one gram packet, and then people can hand them out at funerals. But I really think there's a lot of physical work involved with that too. So yeah. it's a lot of fiddling around, and it's, mm. I don't get very much money from that. So I'm kind of slowing down. I, I advertise them, but not like I advertise and push for the 10 gram everlasting packet. So I have dabbled around in in lots of things like um, I've dabbled around with putting seed into paper yep. to make a card um, or I, I do with compliments bags mm -hmm. to companies wanting to hand out to clients yep. and things yep. or I've done um, Zara's golden ever Zara's my other daughter mm -hmm. so I, she's I really left out <laughs> well no because I thought she'd be upset about being left out I started a business called Zara's golden everlasting seed mm -hmm. but that requires a whole new scale of yeah. cleaning processes and harvesting and things like that I could do it but I'm happy enough to buy the seed in from someone else to then pack it up with seed. So I do have that business too. Yeah. But nothing sells quite like the 10 gram pink and white everlastings, yeah. the cinders everlasting. So I really just, yeah. um, like I was saying, I just want to reduce stress. And, and if I concentrate on the things I know people love the most, um, that sort of reduces the stress because... Growing another wildflower is a whole new thing. Yeah. So I've kind of pulled back on poor old Zara. Yeah. She doesn't mind. <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. So, so. what what's um, next for you guys and what's next for the family? Do you have any big plans for the business or sort of plans for scaling the business? Or are you quite happy with how things are tracking along? Yeah, I really like – I like – I like to do things really well, so I like concentrating what I, what I've already done well and do it better. Yeah. Um, so at the moment I'm upgrading my website. Um, I've made these amazing boxes. I can't wait till they arrive. They're they're a picture on them. So yeah. yeah, I'll do things like that. Improve products that I've got. Maybe in the future I might look to redesign my sticker. I just like the way it's a boutique business. I still hand sticker all the packets. Yeah. I employ local people to do that. I still hand pit sticker the packets. I still pack them by hand. Um, things like that. I like to keep it local, simple. I don't want to go to Bunnings because when you go to Bunnings, it's, they start really hammering down prices yeah. and competing with the boot. I've I've placed great value on the relationships I have with the businesses that I have. Yeah. So it's really important to have good relationships and that relationship would go if I started selling at Bunnings. So I like mm. to keep it local, keep it sing simple. Another thing I'm doing is um, doing luncheons. I love it. I just had one last year where I had 120 people in my shearing shed 
as part of Lucinda's Everlasting Presents. And then I raised, raised several thousand dollars for a charity. Yeah. So I know I'm pushing my own boat by raising <laughs> money for MSWA. Yeah. But in future, like this October, I plan on running another one and um, raising money for another charity. Yeah. So how beautiful yeah. to have um, yeah, a little passion project that also mm. can sort of um, yeah, give, bring, back. give back. I like yeah. giving back. I like doing things that give back. I like donating I like yeah you know those sorts of things so I'm looking forward to the luncheon this year so yeah yeah lots of organizing that's so start great. doing it now that's so great well I, I feel like I've learned a ton about your everlastings business and so I guess the only question that remains is to ask you how the listeners can get in touch with your business or with you if they resonated they want to learn more about what you've done or they want to see the seeds for themselves um, really, it's just Lucinda's Everlastings because I am number one on the Google list. So if you just Google that, you'll yeah. get my um, handles for yeah. Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and yeah. things like that. So, yeah. That's so great. easy. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jen, for stopping by whilst you're in Perth this weekend uh, visiting your daughter. Um, Handing her back to boarding school. Handing her back. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, yes, done. We missed them during the year. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming in. Really appreciate your time today and your effort in preparing. So thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Generation Ag. We hope you loved it. If you did, don't forget to visit our guest bios page on our website where you can get all of their contact information. And if you have an idea for another guest in the future or a story that you want to hear, you can get in touch with us via our email, which is hello at generationag.com.au. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at generation.ag. That's Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And if you've loved this episode as well, you can share it with your friends on your socials and make sure to subscribe to us on the podcast app and leave us a review because that all really helps as well. Thanks, guys. Bye.